This is the Bob and Tom Show. We are live in the Napa Auto Parts studios, coast to coast on great radio stations like this one, worldwide on American Forces Radio. Thanks very much for joining us. We have uh, Chick McGee across the way getting, getting ready for tomorrow's uh, Napa Auto Parts shoe of the Week, the sports prognostication, if that's a word, show, uh, and, of course, the Napa Tool of the Week coming up on Friday. We've been talking about um, our team-building ideas for the uh, staff here, and uh, I have been working on this bowling event. Yesterday we did a special cooking event. We'll have a video mm-hmm. of that up. And uh, Christy had a good idea, which was um, uh, there's a circus school nearby. We could go learn how to trapeze. Uh, what's the word for that? Um, I, I'm not sure. In any event, what, what, the, what were the other ideas you had? Uh, go-karting. Go-karting, I like, I like zip lining, the circus. Paintball. I don't like the paintball. That hurts. I love paintball. Can we do laser tag? It doesn't hurt. No. Yeah, but the hurting is part of the fun. No, yeah. I don't want to get hurt. It's oh, funny. No. I've been hurt enough in my life, you can Josh. Win. I'm done with being hurt. This, won't be, this won't be your soul. <laughs> <laughs> I say no paintball. heartbreak involved. I say paintball. I don't want to cry. The only problem with paintball is my goggles always fog up. Can you get deep, like, you know, yeah. fog-proof goggles? Yeah. Why do they fog up? I'm confused. I don't know. Maybe I have... Hot eyes. <laughs> you do have hot eyes. I'm, sweating. I'm getting a lot of email. Josh's eyes are really hot. I like him very much. Uh, we're going to talk with John Feinstein in just a few minutes. We have uh, Christy Lee at the Bob and Tom News Desk. What else have you got over there? Well, workers at the Philadelphia Zoo have finally determined the gender of a baby gorilla born last month. It's a girl. Huh. Uh, they still haven't um, named the little baby, but or now it'll a, be a lot easier since they yeah, know it's a, a really gender. Yeah, a really teeny tiny boy. We're not sure. <laughs> no, they know it's a girl. Oh. And an abandoned cat. Maybe Britain's oldest feline. Banjo was found by RSPCA South Hawk Hattery and discovered that he was microchipped back in 1991 when he was believed to be two years old. Rescuers were shocked the 27-year-old cat was able to survive on the streets. According to the center's manager, Banjo must have used up all of his nine lives by now. Authorities, Especially being named Banjo. Yeah, contacted the you Guinness know, Book they, of Records. If they'd they named him accordion, he would have been dead 20 years ago. <laughs> to confirm. He's indeed well, the banjo's taking the, uh, now, enough of a what is chant. a What is a cattery? A cattery is like a, like a shelter just for cats. Okay. Like a winery. That's yeah. not a thing. A fishery. A catter- it's in Britain. A it's a cattery. It's they call thing. it a cattery? Yes. That's like calling a monastery a monkery. That's not it a is. word. It's, yeah. a, it's a British You've never thing. heard of the cattery awards? Oh, my. <laughs> hey! I got a friend that has a cat over 20. Super. Yeah. Remind but, uh, me to stay away from you and your friend. What's wrong? Why don't you like cats? They're so they're Because so cats are jerks. Even cat owners I know like, they're jerks. I know, but they are funny and cuddly, and I like them. I like cats. When? I need when a cat. I got mice. Cuddly. I need a cat. When you pick them up and you fold their ears over. <laughs> you do that. You pick them up and fold their ears over and go, bat down the hatches. They love that. <laughs> <laughs> they you give you that hear, look. You don't hear about dog scratch fever, do you? No. I had cat no, scratch fever. you hear fever. about dogs ripping throats out. <laughs> You always always wonder with a cat, though, if it's a hairball. Oh, every now and again that happens. Which, I know, but we're not talking about that. When you had cats, didn't you always wonder if it was a hairball or sleep apnea? Are you going to get a new cat? Do oh, we have John on the phone? Okay. Can you have oh. a cat at your place? Change, change hey, the topic. speaking of cats, man. Our next cat. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah, man. It's yeah, John, man. baby. Hey, this cat. I want to know. Are you going to get a new cat? <laughs> yeah, Josh. <laughs> no, my place is a little too small to have a, a litter box uh, somewhere around. I have, what? I have dogs uh, now. I'm We're a... having a big debate about whether to get another cat because we have two. Yes. Yeah. One of them, and, and we want another one. Our five-year-old wants a kitten, but 
uh, one of them, our cat whose name is Alan. Um, <laughs> I'm Alan? a big fan of people love names that. for pets. Yep. Uh, this yeah. is my dog, Daryl. Yeah. Uh, yep, love it. We just we named him Alan because we knew the minute we got him from the shelter that he was completely insane. <laughs> so we thought it would be good to give him an insane name. Is this after he, Iverson? <laughs> no, it's after Alan. Oh, sorry. Okay. If it's after anybody, it would be Alda. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, oh, I love Alda. Right. He's kooky. Who wow. doesn't? But anyway, he's such an aggressive cat, we're a little bit concerned that uh, that he might kill the kitten. So the Yikes. debate goes on. Okay, yeah. that's another showstopper. Thank you. Uh, John yeah, Feinstein you is our yeah. guest. And like everyone else on today's show, they we get on a fun topic. The next thing you know, there's death. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, John is a, a great writer, and uh, Chick accused him earlier of being a Washington Redskins hater, but then he realized it was a... a More mis- of a Daniel Snyder hater than anything yeah. else. Yeah. Then I said, well, yeah, well Daniel Snyder hater, who it. isn't? Yes. Uh, well, and with Snyder, it probably goes beyond whatever the next word is on for hate. I've often said he's three of the worst people I've ever met. Now, uh, as you as, know, John, did you see the Monday night game of the Steeler game at FedEx? And there's nothing, uh, no, no, nothing quieter than the owner's box with Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> I, I, I love it when they show shots of that box when yeah. when uh, when the team is losing. It's just fabulous. Oh. And I have friends who have actually sat in the box mm-hmm. who have, that have said that when 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 the team is losing, no one is allowed to speak. Oh, and say, oh that must be fun. <laughs> well, of course they're not. <laughs> Go to a football game and be in a cone of silence. Uh, what I like, man. for the most part, when they show the team owners, it's always some uh, some camera that they had to borrow from the Mount Everest exhibition because <laughs> they're so far away. You know, it's it's kind of hazy, yeah. and they're going through six layers of glass. Why don't they just stick a camera in the owner's box and call it a day? Well, because because none of the owners want close-ups of all the work that's been done on their faces. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a Jerry, Jerry Jones reference? <laughs> oh, Jerry wow. Jones being example numero uno. Right, yeah. Well, uh, John, before we get to your new book, um, are you actually actively working on another one already as we yes. speak? As we speak, I am standing right outside the gate to walk into Hazeltine uh, at, the, at the Ryder Cup, and I've been working on a book uh, that will focus on this Ryder Cup for about the last year. Uh, I've, I've interviewed all the players on both teams. How about Tiger? He, uh, I said players. I know. Did, did you did you did you hear the the big story a couple of days oh, I, ago I, about Tiger getting kicked out of the team photograph? No, it was yesterday. It was yesterday. Oh, okay. Yesterday he got kicked yeah. out. Yeah. And, and what happened was he went and stood on the end of the back row, and the photographer said, "No, Tiger, no, no, you're not there." And Tiger thought he meant go to the other end of the back row. Oh. So they went and stood at the other end, and they said, "No, no, 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 you're not in the picture. Oh, players my Lord. only." Oh. And you know, all kidding aside. I'm sure that was a horrible moment for Tiger, you know, with all these people watching and taking pictures and being reminded, you are not a player at this moment. And uh, and he laughed it off, you know, because he knew the cameras were rolling. But he's Tiger Woods, for crying out loud. And they said, nope, nope, you can't stand here with Ryan Moore. You're not good enough. Oh. Now, if we could go on kind of a serious note, the very sad uh, death of the great yeah. Ar- Arnold Palmer, Mm-hmm. Who I, I, I'm not sure a lot of people realize, but with his uh, association with Mark McCormick, they kind of invented mm-hmm. the, the, a whole new era of sports endorsements. And uh, yeah. that, that, it, Palmer was really the first guy at that level. Yeah, no, uh, I, I've said this often. Uh, Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods, in any order you want to pick, are the two best players in the history of golf. Arnold Palmer's the most important player in the history of golf. And, and, and maybe in the top five, uh, most important athletes for just the reason you mentioned there, Tom, because 
when he came along, and it, it, you know, it, it was a perfect storm. The first golf TV was 1954. Palmer won his first tournament in 1955. The Masters was first on television in 1956. He won the Masters in 1958. He had this sex appeal. He had this charm. He loved people. People loved him. And his, his college uh, classmate, uh, Mark McCormick, was a lawyer. And he said, yeah, let me see if I can get some deals for you, you know, to make more money, because there wasn't that much money in prize money back then. And all of a sudden, Palmer was endorsing every product in America. And, uh, and, and people, again, people loved him. And, and he is, by the way, made more money than any athlete in history, including Michael Jordan, including Tiger Woods, anybody else you want to mention. And he made golf popular on television, in corporate America, among men, among women, uh, and, and honestly was one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Uh, he, just, he had a way, he had a unique gift of making you feel when you were in his presence, that you were the most important person in, in his life. He, uh, the first time I ever interviewed him, which was in 1994, I spent, three and a half, I spent two hours with him at his house. I was working on a good walk, spoiled. And after about two hours, I, you know, I felt I didn't want to overstay my welcome. And I said, well, thank you so much for the time. And he said, have you got everything you need? And I said, well, I, I'm sure I do. And he said, well, I'm going down in my workshop. I'm going to work down there for a while. If you want to come down and hang out with me, that'd be fine. Wow. So I went down and hung out with him for another hour and a half. Oh. And, 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 and by the way, he also had a way of, of making you relax when you met him. Because, you know, you're meeting Arnold Palmer. I mean, I grew up as a little kid watching him, watching Nicholas, watching Player. And, and when I walked in the door that morning, his, his assistant, Doc Giffen, who was his right-hand man for only 53 years, um, <laughs> said, uh, introduced us. And Arnold shook hands, and he said, so I hear you went to Duke. And I said, yes, I did. And he said, couldn't get into Wake Forest, huh? <laughs> nice. and, and, and immediately, you know, you're disarmed. And uh, so I was actually out here at Hazeltine on Sunday because I wanted to get out before the crowds came out here and, and, and see the entire golf course and do some stuff you can do when the place is empty. And Sunday night, uh, I, was, I was doing a speech and, and got the news and had to scramble to come back here to go on air on Golf Channel because they did 24 straight hours. Um, without a commercial break, uh, strictly on Ar Arnold Palmer. Of course, he, he co-founded Golf Channel, so that had a little to do with it, but also because he was Arnold Palmer. Yeah, and he, and he uh, lived uh, in his hometown, basically. A... Yeah, he spent, he spent the winters in, in Orlando at Bay Hill, oh. which he owned, where they, he, the Arnold Palmer Invitational has been held for years. But yeah, he, every spring he would go back up to La Trobe. He had... He bought the golf club where his father had worked as the pro and as the, as the superintendent, the maintenance guy, uh, when he was a boy growing up, and bought, that, bought the club. And, you know, he, and the thing about Palmer was he would go to Latrobe Country Club. He would go to Bay Hill in the morning, and he'd go out with the guys and, you know, play, you know, $10 Nassau or Scramble, whatever, whatever the rest of the members were playing that day. Arnie would join them and be one of the guys. Hmm. And he was the ultimate one of the guys guy. Yeah, yeah, great guy. Um, my uh, dad was in a wheelchair, and, and um, my brother heard that Arnold Palmer was playing just a round of golf one day, and so he he drove around and found where he was going to be and wheeled my father up kind of at the side of the road. Arnold Palmer mm -hmm. saw him, walked mm -hmm. off the course to introduce himself. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, and, you know, everybody has a story like that about Arnold going out of their way. I walked with him the last round. He ever played in a U.S. Open in 1994 at Oakmont, uh, and it was 
brutally hot, and he was 64, and, and he was, you know, the, it, it, he was exhausted on the back nine. But I swear, Tom, every person who called out, go Arnie, yay Arnie, we love you Arnie, he would look them in the eye and wave or say thanks or thanks for coming out, whatever. And I, 20,000 people went home that day and said to their families, hey, Arnold Palmer said hello to me, because he did. He really did. He was unique that way. And one of the most amazing scenes I've ever seen as a reporter was that day. Because when he finished, he shot 81. And it didn't matter. I mean, he walked up 18. All the players had come out of the locker room to watch him make that walk. And it was extraordinarily emotional. And he went into the media tent and he tried to talk. And he kept breaking down. Talk, cry, talk, cry. And finally he got up to go. And every single person in the media tent, stood up and applauded, which, as you know, is completely unprofessional. No cheering in the press box. Every person did it, and it was absolutely the right thing to do because Palmer had done so much for virtually every person in that room. It was, I've never seen a scene like that with an athlete in my life, and I was one of a, a handful of guys that, who kind of walked back to the locker room with him, which was unair-conditioned, so it was brutally hot in there. And Arnie just sat there and talked to four or five of us for a while. And I'll never forget, he finally looked up and said, you know, in any, I shot 81 today. In any other sport, I'd have been booed because I was terrible. <laughs> and all those people cheered me. How lucky am I? And my thought, I wrote this in the Washington Post the other day, was no, we were the lucky ones. Yeah. And he was, he was just an extraordinary man. Well, John Feinstein is our guest. Uh, what's the title of the new book going to be? Uh, the, the Ryder Cup book? Yeah. I have no idea. I have to find out what happens this week before I start thinking about a title. How about Chick McGee presents John Fines <laughs> and <laughs> the Ryder <laughs> That's always on the list. Oh, thank you. We <laughs> haven't worked out the deal. You know, I if you want to be the that. title sponsor, you got to come up with a few <laughs> okay. well, actually, No problem. John, we have audio of you that we run on a fairly regular basis. Um, in which, oh well, yeah, I can think we play you can it? hear this, John. Here we go. Here's you uh, the last visit uh, with us here on the Bob and Tom Show. I know what this is. You're a sweet fellow, but you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I play that all the time. Yeah. No, when I write my book on you, chick, that will be the title. Okay, now, John, a sweet uh, fellow, but an idiot. One of the things, that, one of the things that you do, um, uh, you also write uh, books for young readers in, in an mm-hmm. effort to get young people to actually put down that electronic thing. Uh, that, that iPad gizmo and actually read, read books. Your new one is called The DH, uh, part of the trilogy. Do you want to explain what this is all about? Yeah, sure. Um, we've talked about the first couple of books in this series. Uh, I, I, I came up with this concept because it bothers me so much, as we've discussed, Tom, that kids today, the minute they show any talent in any sport, that's their sport, 12 months a year. You know, when I was a kid, we played football in the fall, basketball in the winter, baseball in the spring, and maybe golf or tennis or swimming in the summer. Nowadays, kid shows talent in the sport. He's going to summer camps in that sport. He's playing summer ball in that sport. He's going away to academies to go to school for that sport. And I think kids need to play sports, not work at sports, not right. have it be their yeah. job when they're 12. Mm-hmm. So I created this character named Alex Myers, who is a 14-year-old high school freshman, uh, and he is a three-sport athlete. And in the first book, The Walk-On, he played football. In the second book, The Sixth Man, he played basketball. And now in the DH, he's playing baseball. And he's a, he's a very talented athlete, but he wants to just play the games. His parents raised him to play the games. And, uh, of course, along the way, he runs into all these various issues in each book that I create to have a, a storyline. But while I'm trying to entertain the kids, and as you said, Tom, try to get 
more kids to actually read. Uh, I'm also trying to throw in maybe a little bit of a lesson or two for the parents on how to deal with a, a talented or even a not talented athlete, whether he be a boy or a girl. In, in my first series, um, you, you might remember that uh, Stevie and Susan Carroll, the two main characters, were uh, aspiring sports writers, but they, the athlete among them was Susan Carroll because I wanted to make the point that in today's day and age, right. thank God, through Title IX, girls are athletes just as much as boys are athletes. And thank you, John. It's been fascinating because I, I, I get two kinds of letters on, on these books, both series. Uh, one in the first series was from a lot of mothers who said, I'm so glad you didn't you know, make the stereotypical boy jock athlete hero and the girl the cheerleader, and this is great for my daughter. And the other one, far more of them actually, in both series from parents saying, my son doesn't read. All he cares about is sports. I gave him your book. He loved the book. When is the next one coming out? And those letters are just great to get. Good. I thought it was kind of interesting in light of the Tim Tebow thing where you've got all these sports writers that are up in arms, the fact that Mr. Tebow, how dare he try another sport? <laughs> I just think it's hilarious. Hey, if the guy could do it, great. More, yeah. po- more well, power that- to him. No, I, I, yeah, I, absolutely. And, and uh, he's not going to play for the Mets. He's never going to make it to City Field. Um, but he's selling a lot of product for him, I'll tell you that much. And, uh, yeah. But, but it, you know, I've always had this big thing about people complain when a great athlete goes on for too long. You know, well, he should retire. He's damaging his legacy. Was Michael Jordan's legacy damaged by playing those two years with the Wizards? I don't think so. And, and, it's, and, and the point is, it's their legacy. Yeah. It's up to them to decide when they want to quit. And, and if Tim Tebow wants to try baseball because he still wants to compete, you know, more power to him. I, I don't have any problem with it. As, as a writer, does your publisher feel the same way about you sometimes when you come up with an idea and he goes, well, I, I wanted you to write about Tiger Woods. You're, you're writing about uh, the, the, the Patriot. Oh, book. I, I well, that's a good. It's a good example right there. You mentioned uh, the last amateurs, the Patriot League book, because um, when I presented that idea to my my agent and my publisher, they ran from the room screaming. You know, <laughs> oh my god! In fact, Bob Woodward, who's been my mentor for a hundred years, said, "Can't you just write a magazine story?" <laughs> and I really wanted to do the book. I took a smaller advance to do it, and the book ended up on the bestseller list. So every once in a while, a blind squirrel finds an acorn. Okay, we're talking with uh, the great John Feinstein. Even Chick. And, and, uh, That's right. Thank you, John. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> the, the, is um, are, are you doing the audio book? Uh, have you done audio books for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, all my kids' books are are, are on audio, and uh, the more recent nonfiction books are all on audio. In fact, when the Legends Club came out, um, you know, I, I think I might have mentioned when we talked about that book that Mike Shashevsky believes himself to be ADD. Yeah, he was of the generation where they never diagnosed it, but he thinks he's ADD and, and has never, according to him, has never finished a book. So I gave him an audio copy of the book to read or to listen to. And he looked at me and he said, so who reads this? And I said, well, I do. He said, you think I want to listen to your blanking voice for 11 and a half hours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I do a lot of audio books when I swim. And sometimes the, sometimes the worst words you can see are read by the author. Uh, Not to say that's for yeah. you uh, at yeah. all, John. No, I, I, it, <laughs> and it's interesting. The big timers, maybe just because they don't want to do it, you know, like J.K. Rowling doesn't read her books. Actually, a great actor named Jim Dale did all the Harry Potter mm-hmm. books. Sure. But, 
Um, but I, they, they've always liked me to do the books. I enjoy doing it. Um, I enjoy trying to sort of do the voices, uh, and especially with the kids' books where you've got made-up characters, so you can just make up any voice you want. Now, how do you do the, f- the female, the young uh, teenager vo- girl voice? Well, the, the, with uh, Susan Carroll in, in the first book, I said, well, y'all better go, go back to, 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 to the game because you're going you're gonna to miss the game if you don't get there. She's smarter than that, but um, she's Southern. She's from North Carolina, so I throw in the Southern accent. That would be fun. John, it's always a great pleasure to speak to you. We've got to talk more. Um, again, uh, the new one is the DH. Yep. And uh, John's got a ton of books. They're uh, a, a shelf full of books. And uh, so, do you think Tiger will talk to you at some point? At some point, I do. Okay. I, do. Okay. I don't know if he'll tell me the truth, but he'll talk to me at some <laughs> point, I think. I, you know, whenever I see him, hello, Tiger, hello, John. And um, I, I think that he's changing because his life has changed, because he's getting kicked out of pictures now and, uh, and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that as a joke, just because he's, un- he's understanding that he is, in fact, human like the rest of us. And, uh, so I think as the years go by, he will be a different guy, as we all are, right? right. Yeah. Hopefully we all evolve. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, John. It's always special. Let's talk soon. All right. Thanks okay. for having me. Chris, right. I'm glad you're back. Thank Take you, care. John. 